I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, here we are back for another episode of Managing Expectations. Somehow managing to do it back to back weeks on time with real audio. Look, you know, who could have saw it coming? This is... Just incredible production value, an incredible bare minimum that you're getting here after months of hiatus and, and not happening. There's still no co-host, so there's still work to do. Um, and that's because, well, I didn't plan very well. I was just kind of thinking about doing a podcast today, sitting around, had the energy, had the time. So, uh, you know, that's on me for there being no co-host. Maybe next time. We'll see. Don't, 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 uh, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not always going to go solo because I don't, still don't want to do that. I like hearing from other people. I like talking to other people about soccer rather than sitting here in front of my computer just talking at a microphone. It feels overly self-serious. It feels a little bit crazy. I don't like it. I like talking to other people about the game rather than just kind of expounding my views as if it's a shitty speech by you know a politician or something. Just I don't last time too, I I, I was just using a quick time audio. So not only was I just talking myself, I didn't have the capability of like pausing continuing so it was like 45 straight minutes of just my voice going and then when I was done with it like I felt fried and I was like that's probably not the best way to do it but you know in lieu of having a co-host um to try to give it some semblance of a back and forth some semblance of a collaborative effort I sought out some questions on Twitter so like I said that feels you know a bit more collaborative rather than me being a dictator here even though you know I got to pick the questions I didn't have to answer all of them so there's still some dictator tendencies Look, there's a ton going on in the world of MLS. It's transfer season. I'm sure that'll make up a bunch of these questions. I know what I know what you guys want to hear. I know what kind of my value is. Um, but that's good because there's a big old slate of games on Wednesday night. Um, and at time of recording, it's you know like 1.30 in the afternoon Eastern. So these games kick off in six hours. So it wouldn't make much sense to do a preview or do anything that's tied to the games tonight because, well, by the time this comes out, it'll have about a five, it would have a five-hour shelf life. So again, this is going to be big picture. This is going to be evergreen. This is going to be, you know, hopefully not too much changes over the next few days is something that should should be pretty fresh up through up until through the weekend. But, you know, the, the world of transfers, things happen pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so why don't I just shut the hell up for a second um, and read myself a question. All right, whatever. Maybe it sounds like I am a dictator of this podcast. Here we go. All right, up first from at NYCFCist um, on Twitter. How long does Rooney stay at DC United, especially considering he left the first time because his family wasn't happy here and they haven't even joined him yet this time around? It's a good question. Um, his contract is through 2023 with a club option for 2024, which is a lot shorter than I anticipated for, you know, somebody with the the cachet, the name recognition, the, the kind of star power of Wayne Rooney. That's an 18 month contract. That's a season and a half. That That's really short in, in the life of managers. Like when DC United were talking before they hired or identified and hired Hernan Lozada, one of their final candidates was Chris Armas. And, and they got to the point where they wanted to hire him and got into contract negotiations. And he wasn't happy that the only guaranteed years, I think, was two years. It was one of those like two plus one options. And rightfully so, he, he kind of backed out and said, like, I, I don't think that's enough security. 
Um, and again, that that's normal in, in the world of management that that you want longer security. Um, so I'm I'm really surprised that Rooney's is a year and a half plus a club option. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of mutual discussion. There's a lot of mutual respect between the two. And and again, like just pointing out your question, his family wasn't happy here, and that's why his part of the reason why his his uh, stay was cut short as a player. He still took the job to come back, so that shows like how much he does care about the club, and personally how much he sees this as the right option for his career, the right time, the right move for him to continue growing as a manager and as a young manager. And his family aren't coming with him at the moment, at least as per Pablo Mara of The Athletic, who, who broke this story. Yeah, I'm not sure. Look, like Thierry Henry, that that was a big problem for him. And, and I, that was absolutely the, the a factor in him leaving Montreal after a year. Another factor was he didn't love life at Montreal at the club itself. But again, a big part of that was his family wasn't here. And like, I can't imagine what that's like to be away from your family every day. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't love the idea of just, you know, seeing them on, on visits and you're, you know, busy no matter what it is as, as a manager, as a player. So family time, even if you live together can be cut short just by the demands of the job. So it's difficult. I, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm very surprised that the contract guarantees are so brief. I don't know if maybe this was something that that Rooney himself kind of pushed on or, or was was more comfortable with because of just he, he wanted to give himself some flexibility. But, you know, any best case scenario for a managerial hire is that it's a long term vision and it's a long term plan. So, yeah, a year and a half might might not sound might might be surprising. But, hey, who knows if, you know, maybe this is just both of them trying to make sure it's the right fit, um, because, again, like Wayne Rooney is Wayne Rooney. He's, if he does well, he's going to have options in England because he's an England legend. He's this, this huge superstar. Um, so he's going to get looks if he does well. So maybe, again, it was part of him. This is just speculation in terms of the length. We'll see. We look what happened with Jesse Marsh. Had a few years at the Red Bulls. Um, you know, Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira is probably the better example in terms of name recognition. Forget exactly how long he was with NYCFC. I think two or three years. So I mean, maybe that's kind of the idea because look, he either does poorly and they and they both decide to move on, or if he does well, he's going to get job offers. So I think it's fair to ask whether this is you know going to be a, a dynastic type reign by Wayne Rooney. But look, this is this is they've got some juice now. Like this was a team that were looking like a nowhere club, particularly after the seven nothing loss to Philly. Um, on Friday, both Ben Olsen and Taylor Twelman said that they would have been surprised like that that they they both reported that there were talks between Rooney and DC. I was, you know, I was able to confirm the talks as well. I, I was saying that I was going to be surprised if it happened. I am surprised it happened, and I, I think it's good news and good on DC for taking the swing. Moving to our next question from my pal Jacob Schneider at underscore Jacob Schneider on Twitter. Hypothetically, where is the ideal fit for Luis Suarez? Who can afford him? DP slot wages. Um, and I think something that Jacob today has got a point to, you know, market this, that's always what it is with, with these kind of global superstars. And when, when, uh, when you come to this, you start with the three obvious ones, LAFC, LA Galaxy, into Miami. LAFC are the only one of those three with, with an open DP spot. LAFC are the only of those three who are 100% going to make the playoffs. And that's something that he's, he spoke about in an interview that he wants to make sure that this, if he signs somewhere in the summer right now and comes immediately, that is going to be a team that's going to be playing into hopefully November and towards MLS Cup. So he's not taking a month off or at a month off from game time uh, between the season ending and the World Cup. 
So Louis, uh, so LAFC is kind of, again, in those air quote glamour markets and, and the ones that are always going to be linked with these players. LAFC would be the one that, that makes sense for all of those three things. Moving past, um, uh, Michele Giannone has said that, that while LAFC do want to sign a DP number nine with that open slot, they wanted somebody younger. Um, again, plans change. If Luis Suarez is available, maybe you change your plans. So, so I don't know that again. This is everything is fluid. Nothing is hammered in stone, guaranteed. So that's just one thing to consider. In terms of other teams where it makes sense right now, and and, and this is difficult in the stage of the season that we are. That the playoff line is always going to be tight. You can think about a lot of teams that you'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. But if you're Luis Suarez, you need more guarantees. You need teams like LAFC, like Austin, that are you know so far away, 13, 14 points above the playoff line that there's no real danger of them falling below, particularly if he signs. But again, this that kind of aspect of it does make it difficult. Look, if Tati Castellanos leaves NYCFC, I think that'd be a, a phenomenal fit. I, I believe that the club can buy down Maxi Morales' uh, DP charge and make him a TAM player. Look, if they were able to bring in Luis Suarez to, to be the center forward, he's he can do so much in terms of not just scoring goals. Like I, I think that this on extra time, somebody was pointing out like, I think it'd be useful for him to be on that small pitch. Who, who's who's kind of better than this guy? You look at the success David Villa had at this club. It seems something similar. I mean, for me, Luis Suarez was you know one of my, has been one of my favorite players. I'm, that that 2013-14 Liverpool season was pure magic. I've been dying and hoping that he was going to come to MLS. I didn't know if it was realistic or not because obviously the only <laughs> the only rumors he really heard were Miami, and and you you know assume ninety percent of those aren't real. So the fact that he's talking about having offers and, and considering them is super exciting. So I mean, LAFC or NYCFC are two of the ones that I think would make the most sense in terms of teams that would be able to pay him, teams that could fit him into the cap right now, and teams who oh almost definitely, if not definitely, are making the playoffs. There are some other options, but like. Real Salt Lake have an open DP spot and they have deeper pockets with ownership. doesn't seem like a kind of place is a a kind of market team that makes sense. It'd be cool. But then, you know, some of the other ones that could make sense that either have money or have the space, like they're kind of too far below the playoff line for him to risk that. And you bet on yourself, but he's a smart guy. He's not, he's, he's not going to just assume that every, just because he gets here, he's going to score 40 goals and and they're going to win every game. Like, you know, I was laughing at Weeby on extra time being like the, the idea of like Suarez going into meetings and, and saying, hey, w- what's your TAM situation? Do you have all three U22 initiative slots? Like he's kind of this like savant in terms of MLS rules and stuff. So I'm sure that people will just be able to convey these things to him. I'm very curious. I, I do hope that it, it happens this summer. I hope that he's here immediately. I think that he's, you know, one of the best, <laughs> one of the best players of his generation, one of the most interesting players i know he's polarizing to some people but um i don't know I'd, I'd be i'd be hopeful that he comes and if i had to narrow it down to two again just guesses not anything from reporting or, or knowledge I, w- I would say nycfc or lafc next one austin fc from brock at rock the brock g which is a pretty dope username what's going on at austin what exactly has to happen to get cc cecilio dominguez off the books and get that dp and international spot opened can we sell him or does he have to mutually agree to part ways in quotes that's an interesting one um he's he seems pretty clearly headed for an exit and, and it seemed that way already before the reports came out um from brazil that um emiliano Rigioni, probably uh, butchering that um is signing from sao paulo on a four million dollar transfer which would make him a dp on in, you know, 99.9% likelihood. The strikers, Chris Bills says it's 99% done. And, you know, the 1% would be 
moving on from Cecilio Dominguez because they can't do this without opening up a DP spot. Now, the background, Dominguez was suspended or, you know, placed under investigation by the league. So was away from the team during that investigation into a domestic abuse um, allegation in May. The league reinstated him and he still hasn't returned to the field. He hasn't, he hasn't played, you know, um, Josh Wolf said he was training and stuff. He was spotted at the, uh, at the game at Q2 last night or at, on Tuesday night watching on as Austin one, three, one, but again, he's still not in the match day squad. He still hasn't returned to the field and for them to be in, you know, about to sign Rajoni. And as I, I reported today, they, they reached out to Spanish club Levante about North Macedonia international Enos Barty, um, who's a player that a number of MLS teams I've come to find out have are you know, know about and have on their radar, if not, you know, serious talks or interest or whatever. He's somebody who seems like he'd fit, but again, he'd be a DP. And again, all of that is to say they're clearly operating under the impression that Cecilia Dominguez is about to be, is about to leave. I guess the most likely to be mutually agreed to part ways just because even if you're a club, say in South America or Mexico or wherever that's interested in signing him, you kind of, as long as you have somebody who's reading the news, it's somebody who, you know, is doing a little bit of investigative work in terms of his situation. You know that Austin are trying to get rid of him. You know, I'm sure his agent is saying that. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure these clubs don't have a huge incentive to, you know, put in a big transfer fee or transfer fee at all. So I'm not sure. This, these are always, you know, really difficult subjects. And it's difficult kind of to talk about without, you know, what what the where the line is, what the gray area is, what what everything means in terms of there was an investigation, but he was reinstated, but he hasn't played. You know, it's all just kind of a gross situation. Um, and, and it feels weird just talking about him as, you know, air quote, a DP player. It's just somebody on the roster. So um, I hope this isn't coming off as insensitive by, by me doing that as such. But again, the question was, how can they sign another DP um, without him? And how does he get off the roster? Um, TBD, again, I still haven't heard you know, much coming out of Austin. I'm, I'm dead certain that they're working on it. So, um, you know, I'd imagine that there's going to be a resolution soon, but as Chris Bills pointed out, the transfer window goes for another four weeks. So who knows how long this is going to take? Who knows how long it's going to get for them to get Rajoni? And, and regardless, he would need to get his visa. That would take a few weeks. So I think it'd be in the best interest of, of all parties for something to be resolved ASAP. Um, but there is no, I guess, deadline coming up this week. There is nothing that is saying, okay, we need to get this done by Friday. We need to get this done by Saturday. So I'm just not sure. I wish I had a better answer. I wish I was, you know, more educated in talking about this. So um, I apologize. But again, that's kind of where things stand with Austin. Just again, just in terms of on the field stuff for them to bring in Rajoni, they need to open up that DP spot. They can't, they, they technically can buy down Alex Ring, but they need that third DP to either be a young DP or somebody under the max TAM charge, which Alex Ring is because they have three U22 initiative slots. And they can't do that with four senior, three senior DPs, which is what Rajoni would be. Again, a lot of half information or, or assumptions here. So it's not not a, not a fun one to talk about. Let's move on. We got a couple comments from uh, Nashville fans from Chris Ivy at Chris Ivy 865. No question. Just Jack Moore. And from Travis at FZA NSC. I beg for Nashville news. So those two are tied together. Obviously, Shaq Moore is something that has been reported. It's been... You know, I uh, believe going back to like March, he was reported as somebody with MLS interest. I kind of tweeted something to the effect a couple months ago when I was asked like about Shaq Moore to Nashville. It was look if he's coming to MLS, he's going to Nashville. Like the the interest, the talks, the rumors, they're all true. Um, 
nothing's done yet. Nothing. Um, this, this is a player that would fit really well in Nashville's three four two one three four one two. However, you philosophically describe it, it's again all, the the smoke is real, and we'll see if a deal gets done with Tenerife, um, Shaq Moore's club in Spain. On to Houston from Jay Chavez at Chavez underscore ninety six. Given your expertise in transfers and MLS roster building, maybe you could give us. Houston fans, some pointers on what sort of improvement we can realistically expect. Look, first of all, very flattering. Calling me an expert—that's kind. I would—I'd uh, not say that. But you know, look—you know how to get—you know how to get your question answered, and that's smart. I, I commend you. Um, look for Houston, and, and again for for this team that's struggled for a long time. Really, only had you know a couple good runs. You know, the Open Cup, the the, the Western Conference Final, and it's been a lot of barren streaks. It's been a lot of hopelessness. It's been a lot of dead ends. I understand that this isn't going to sound very comforting, but my expectations for this team from the offseason under new ownership, under new front office, under new coaching staff, I did not expect this team to be a playoff team in 2022. And my expectations were low. I understand that fans are right to be impatient. They're right to ask questions. Um, But I just, they had, this was a multi-window tear down and rebuild. I like Sebastian Ferreira. I like Hector Herrera. Looking forward to seeing those two on a consistent basis, you know, now that Herrera is here. I thought that keeping Coco Carasquilla was really good. I think Matias Vera is another solid option in that midfield. I'm looking forward to seeing that trio with Hector Herrera. Sebastian Ferreira, I think, is is definitely an answer up top. And then there are a lot of question marks on this team around that. Steve Clark was a good signing, but he's mid to late 30s. At what point are you going to need to look for another goalkeeper? Some of the wingers have had moments. Fafa Pico is back in the lineup after being left out tactically of the entire match day squad. He's had some moments, but look, they they need they need additions on the wings. They need a lot of defensive help. Um, part of your screenshot and your tweet was about, you know, they could buy down teenage Adabe. That's obvious. Get another DP spot, get another high level player. I would definitely go for a winger, somebody who can, you know, create and score. I know that those players are difficult to find, but I I think it's very important to have a dual type of threat with this, like rather than say just a number 10 chance creator or say like a goal scoring center forward. I think that with Ferreira, who's who's a very good goal scorer, I think, and, and will be more so even with more chances and Hector Herrera as, you know, box to box kind of midfielder. I think you need somebody who's going to help take the goal scoring burden off of Ferreira and somebody who can, you know, help chance create. So to lessen the reliance on a 35 year old Darren Quintero or however old he is. That's just it right now. Look, it's, it's, they, they didn't do a ton of outgoings in the offseason. This wasn't like Miami where they got rid of 18 players. This was more like Cincinnati where it was, you know, look, it's always going to take a few windows. And I understand why fans might not love that. I understand why fans might be impatient. And, you know, they've, you've been waiting for a while. Things have been tough. That game against Dallas over the weekend was super fun. And I know that the game against Austin wasn't as fun. But look, it's one step at a time. I think that the expectations, the hope, what, what, what you want, what you can realistically expect is hopefully they add another kind of building block, another guy that you look at. Okay, that dude's a starter. And we're going to move forward. We have Herrera, Ferreira, Carasquilla, Vera, whatever it is. All these, okay, we have five, no doubt about it, starters. And then let's build from there. So again, this is something that's going to take a little bit of time. It'll be telling to see what this roster looks like at the end of next, at the end of this offseason. Um, but look, 
I was saying it for weeks uh, going into kind of Hector Herrera officially being able to debut. The goal was to just stay within the ballpark of the playoff race. Just stay within the ballpark. Make sure that there's meaningful games in the summer. Make sure that the season isn't over early. Um, And part of your screenshot said, you know, perhaps a loss to San Jose might, you know, put you down to the bottom of the Western Conference. They are five points below the playoff line right now. And teams between them and the playoff line include Seattle and Portland, who most people are expecting, particularly Seattle. But I, I expect both of those teams to end the season above the playoff line. So you need three teams to drop under the playoff line over the next few months. It's a difficult spot. But all you can ask for is hope. You still got a little bit of it. It's not over, but look, uh, a bad run of form over the next three, four weeks, and it might be over, and it might be meaningless games again, or just games that are giving you data for next season, which isn't great considering how early the past few seasons have ended. So I feel for you Dynamo fans, but look, changes on the way, ownership, front office. I think that Pat Onstad and Asher uh, Mendelssohn have, have been have done some good stuff so far. They inherited a difficult situation from people I've talked to at the club they kind of reiterated how much um, future the previous uh, regime kind of leveraged. They they moved forward a lot of allocation money to make moves that didn't work out. Uh, so it's not the easiest situation, but, you know, it is what it is. Next question from Jake at Jake Boswell 10. If you're a GM, sort out the mess in Atlanta. What do you do? Oof. Do I get a time machine to get Miles Robinson, Brad Guzan, Andrew Gutman, Brooks Lennon to keep them off from injuries? Guarantee them 30 starts, 30 games? No, probably not. Uh, I don't know. Look, um, on one hand, and, and what I had been saying for weeks, I do feel for them in terms of those injuries. Like, how many teams do you know? Like, again, Miles Robinson is is top three center back in the league. I think that's that's a take that most people would agree with. A lot of people would put him one, two, whatever it is. I think that him and Walker Zimmerman were kind of the clear one-two at the beginning of the year. Brooks Lennon, I think, is is a really good right back. Andrew Goodman's a really good left back. Brad Guzan, whether you think what do you think of him at this his stage of his career? He's a good goalie in MLS. And Ozzy Alonso, same thing. He was signed for a real reason to kind of add a different dynamic. He wasn't going to play thirty games at his age, but look, he was he's still an effective MLS player. Those are all all players who are out. For the season, or mostly for the season, with Ozzy Alonso, Miles um, Robinson, and Brad Guzan. I, like, well, how do you plan for that? You can't plan for that. It's like Sporting Kansas City. Like, they're they've had mistakes, they've had things go wrong, absolutely. But how do you plan for a DP number nine and a DP number ten? You know, twelve million dollars worth of transfer fees, just not playing a minute. Like, what do you do? You know, I like I, I feel for Atlanta in that sense. In the other sense, this is a team that spent like forty million dollars on their attack. This is a team that. You know, they've spent a ton. They, they're supposed to have an inherent advantage there. They're supposed to be the big bad Atlanta United with, with Joseph Martinez and, and all the swagger that they have. Um, PT Martinez didn't work out. Ezekiel Barco didn't work out. Um, they spent, they put a lot of resources into Marcelino Moreno, Alan Franco. They haven't been, you know, Tito Vialba and Leandro Gonzalez Perez. So again, on one hand, I, I feel really bad about the injuries and, and there's no way to plan for that. And like, particularly how important Miles Robinson was to this team, not just in his general quality, but the way he plays, like he puts out so many fires and it's just, he, he's this last ditch valve that kind of cleaned up a lot of mistakes. And, and again, that's the value of having such a good center back is that center backs and DMs. Like if you have a guy like that, like how many, how many, mistakes has Diego Chara just erased for Portland Timbers over the last decade like how, how easy must it be or how like you get to just do your live your best life if you're playing as a center back or a center midfield partner next to Diego Chara like 
if, if you're playing next to Walker Zimmerman in, in Nashville, like Dave Romney looked really good. I think he's a good player, but like there are a few people better to put next that than to play next to than Walker Zimmerman. So that's all difficult. But on the other hand, I'm not sure why they use their last U22 initiative slot on a winger. They have a lot of money committed to the attack. And I don't want this to come off as slander of, of this, the poor player because it's not his fault. <laughs> like, And maybe he'll be a good player and maybe he'll be a good signing. And this will sound stupid, but like, this is a team that pretty desperately needed center backs, defensive midfielders, defensive help. In general, this team missed out on a lot. It was it was a little bit of hubris, you know. It was we built this team, and yeah, we Leandro Gonzalez Perez, like we're not going to pay you. Julian Gressel, we're not going to pay. We can replace you. Look look at what we did, and just to a man from from two uh, multiple head coaches after Tata Martino, from multiple league record signings after Miguel Marone. Um, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, Michael Parkhurst was never replaced. Jeff Lorenowitz, like all these guys, and just the team, like as Joseph was saying, it's not there. And that's what happens when you kind of gut a core. That's what happens when you, you know, lean too hard in one direction, whether it's just chasing domestic based players or, or MLS experienced players or just chasing international guys. You need to find the right balance. And they didn't do that. I think that they need to take a play a page out of LEFC's playbook. This offseason, they added like a thousand games of MLS experience. They traded for Maxine Grapeau. They traded for Kellen Acosta. They traded for Ryan Hollingshead. They traded for Ismail Tajori Shradi, who's not even going to be somebody in the rotation right now, given all the attackers they have. Like they traded, they uh, signed Ilya Sanchez in free agency. Atlanta could have done that. Any other team could have done that. Like I, I think that teams are going to look at what LAFC did and be like, oh, yeah, like let's not get too distracted by just signing the next U20 World Cup kid or signing the next teenage Argentine player there's definitely a space for that I think Tiago Amato looks really good I think that things worked out perfectly when they did that with Miguel Marone signing Joseph Martinez all these things but if that's your entire roster makeup and if you're not rewarding the guys who make up the culture make up the locker room this is what happens and it's easy to say that in hindsight I understand and you know I'm kind of dodging the question sort out the mess what do you do I I don't know I think you got to move on from some guys you got to regenerate allocation money so you can spend it on MLS experienced players I thought the Ozzy Alonso signing was something that was supposed to address that, but that wasn't enough in and of itself. Andrew Gutman was another good one. That was a long-term play because they saw George Bellow leaving. They had him ready to go. He was on loan at the Red Bulls. They just need more of that. And I think that that puts, you know, that frees Joseph Martinez, Tiago Almada, Luis Arujo to be the best versions of themselves because you have, you have the foundation, you have the culture, you have the baseline. You, if, if you're difficult to beat and then you have those three kind of players, that that's a recipe for being one of the best teams in the league. And right now they're way too easy to beat. So sort out the mess. I don't know. I think you got to move on from a number of guys. You need to have some really hard decisions. You need to, you know, Toronto has done this, not worried about the sunk cost fallacy. You know, you're not going to turn a profit on, on a number of these guys. You, you, you might have to, you know, Toronto traded away Kamar Lawrence and they're still paying most of his budget charge in Minnesota. You might have to do some of that. You need to free up resources, need to free up, space and i think that you need to replenish an mls experience core on to charlotte from jonathan pata at pata bread another good at does charlotte need to utilize a transfer window other teams are starting to bolster their rosters does this pose concern from our perspective in the queen city i think a good rule of thumb is that the best all clubs not even just the best clubs all clubs view roster building as a constant evolution you're always trying to get better so need, want, whatever it is, you're always aiming to get better. Every team is. You're looking at targets. You're looking at options. So, I mean, 
need versus like, yeah, that, that's gotta be the aim. Have an open DP spot. DP like they they want to sign a young DP 10. Designated player number 10s usually raise a lot of players around them. It makes the game easier for a lot of players around them. So that's one thing. But you don't kind of want to rush into something. You don't want to, like, again, Charlotte did what Nashville did in the past and what Austin did last year as well, that they saved roster spots and saved flexibility to get data points on the team, not rush into too many things and have, you know, a lot of bad decisions that it becomes difficult to get out of, which Cincinnati found in their first year, Miami found, and, and they're still dealing with. So I thought that was smart. So I don't know if they're still in a wait-and-see kind of phase. They're picking up points. Their home form's good. Camille Uzviak is still kind of not at his full potential. You know, he's still finding his fitness. He's still finding for This dude was out for months. Like, this was a guy who came here without playing or training for a couple months. Um, and these leagues are always difficult to adapt to, even though the championship should lead you to understand the physicality and, and, and the pace and, and the nature of this, the transition nature of this league. But it's still not it's not an easy transition for anybody. Carol Soberski went through a dry spell and that kind of affected his confidence, that affected his mannerisms. He scored a big goal over the weekend against against Nashville. That was a really great performance by this team. This team is good. They didn't need they didn't need magic. They didn't need a manager to be Harry Potter. Um Christian Latangio has been good. Like changes have been positive, and there's gonna continue to be changed. There's players like Christian McCoon is somebody who's lost out on minutes. Jalen Lindsay has kind of fallen a second choice if if you know memory serves me right pretty much since Latanjo took over. So there's going to be changes. Every manager has their own spin. If I'm with Christian Latanjo, I'm probably asking for that DP number 10. I'm thinking like, hey guys, this was the plan. Like maybe let's let's bring somebody in now. Let's try to work them in. Let, let's try to see how this impacts um, Carol Sabersky, Camille Uzriak, how this impacts Andre Shinishiki, all these players in attack. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that they need to utilize the transfer. Like this team, the, the goal is to continue to be competitive. Um, I don't think that you sacrifice long-term flexibility. I don't think that you go, oh my God, like we just won a couple home games. Like we need to, you know, push forward now so we can get the seventh playoff spot. Like they look like they're going to be in the playoff race and they should be, and they should continue to stay competitive. And if the right long-term target, the right deals pr- uh, present themselves, I'm pretty sure they still should have a- enough allocation money if they want to do something within the league. If they find a team like, you know, Colorado just traded Mark Anthony K. I didn't think he was going to be available. But if they if you could find deals like that, I think that would be super useful for this team. Next question from Travis Grimes at Come On UFCC. Um, he wants to know about the Red Bull. No, uh, he says, "What do you expect FC Cincinnati to do for the rest of the transfer window?" Um, it's going to sound a little bit like the Houston Dynamo stuff, except Cincinnati are in a better place with their foundation. They're in a better place with the Lucho Costa, Brandon Vasquez, Obi Nwobodo, um and everybody else that that's kind of been playing so well for this team to be where they are. I think that they're going to continue to try to add to that foundation, add to, okay, we're building around Lucho, we're building around Vasquez. If we can keep him, well, we're seeing about it with Brenner. Obi Nwoboto is a foundational piece. All these things, that's what I think that FC Cincinnati is going to do. A couple thoughts for me is that, are they? how badly are they working on trying to get rid of players from previous regimes? And, and maybe get rid of sounds a, a little bit trillish or too mean, but like Isaac Atanga and Alvaro Barrio were si- are wingers. They were signed when Yapstam wanted to play 4-3-3. They don't play with wingers right now. Alvaro Barrio has played as, as a wingback, where I think he's been pretty solid. And if that's something that he commits to in the at least near term then i think that that's a good spot for him and atanga hasn't played very much and, and you know both of them have again they're, they're not playing in national positions so if they're able to find better homes for those players but you know atanga was bought for like five million dollars that's a difficult thing like what are you going to get back a million gam or, or whatever it is 
I understand that these things are hard. But if they're able to kind of move on from some of these things, free up assets, they already have a U22 initiative slot open. I'd imagine that they're working through targets there. And that's something that's on the horizon. Who knows if they're going to do it this window or the winter. But again, it's about keeping that core. It's about moving forward and trying to keep building for the future. Again, like I think that they're thrilled where they are. They're definitely ahead of schedule. Um, I don't think that that's groundbreaking news. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to, again, sacrifice long-term assets in, in kind of a short-sighted way to try to definitely make the playoffs. I think that they're going to continue to try to get better. And I think that was the plan, you know, this winter, regardless of where the points were or, or the beginning of the season when they were playing really poorly. I think that was still going to be the plan. Like if they're able, like Matt Miazga is somebody they're interested in, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get a deal done, whatever it is, like that's somebody who would be another foundational piece. Like, I think that that's what they're looking at now, just continuing to overturn the roster and continuing to kind of build towards something cohesive so that next winter you don't need to bring in eight new players, 10 new players. Like every, that's the goal for every team is to have a foundation and make two or three signings every offseason. All right. A few more here. Um, Real Salt Lake question coming up from Ross Clark under, at underscore Ross underscore Clark. Real Salt Lake moves incoming um, with a couple moves made last weekend to free up space and money. Should we just be happy with Cuellar? Cuellar and Suarez? Um, Cuellar is not a done deal. <laughs> Cuellar would be a really great signing. He's somebody that they've wanted for months. They've been working on this for months. Um, nothing's Nothing's like 99%. Nothing's close. They're still trying. I think that whether it's Cuellar or somebody else, they're going to aim to sign a DP defensive midfielder, which I think this team could really use. They're one of the most fun stories in the league. I think Pablo Ruiz is somebody who, who doesn't get enough credit. There's a lot of players on this team who don't get enough credit, like Demir Krylock for years, even though I know he's hurt, been hurt this year. I think this team's a lot of fun. Jefferson Severino has been phenomenal since he got back. Like, I forget what the goal involvements are, but it seems like a goal and assist every 60 minutes, every 50 minutes. Like, he's been... He's been so good. He's been what they need. You know, I know that there's the disappointment from taking a two-goal lead against the struggling uh, Colorado Rapids and drawing that game 2-2. You know, this team still has work to do. They're, they've are they racked up a lot of points, and this is going to be super useful as things continue to get more difficult as the season goes on, or maybe you hit bad runs of form to, like, lay on that cushion so that you're not falling away from the playoff line. You're still above the playoff line. Super important. And I, again, I think that DP defensive mid, Cuellar would be, would be the plan A, would be the hope. Who knows? Cuellar and Suarez, that'd be a ton of fun. I'd be rooting like hell for it. I'd, I'd fly myself out on my own dime to watch that first game. If that happened, I'd love for it to happen. So I'm rooting for you. On to Chicago Fire. A couple questions. One from Justin at Just Hendricks. Is Jared on Shakiri a flop? That one hurts. Um, and from Kevin Richardson at Kate Rich, 7499. George Heights still can't be with the fire after the season, right? Sorry, Shakiri. I was really high on this signing. I still believe that he's insanely talented, and I still believe in him. Um, and I know that I'm going to be one of the last people to leave this island, so maybe I'm not the right person to ask here. I wouldn't call him a flop yet. I understand. It's just been an awful season for Chicago. It's a team that has a lot of pieces that I like, but are just playing awful. And that that two nothing taking a 2 nothing lead against Columbus... And losing 3-2 is a kick in the balls. And, and the way those goals came in is just, it's just hurts. Like, this was like Francisco Calvo type of, of moments for this team in the last couple of years where it's been like inexplicable when they drop points. I don't understand. It's really difficult. Which brings to the next question, George Heights. Like, man, like, the results speak for themselves. They've spent money. They've, they've made a lot of swings. 
I don't know how many signings have been good signings. Ezra Hendrickson, I didn't mind him as as the head coach calling, and I don't want to pin this all on him. But when you lose a two goal lead after the 60th minute or after uh, after halftime, whatever, uh, whenever Columbus's first goal was, that's got to fault the head coach. Like, it is what it is. Um, and not, not, not things are always, things aren't always fair. There's nuances. It's not just a one person. It's not just a front office, not just a coaching staff, not just individual player. But if you look at it as a whole, there's so many holes on this team. And how it's been like two times in the last three years they've done complete rebuilds and that they've tried to sign new DPs. Ali Sada was not good. Gaston Jimenez has not been good, and they kept him. Jordan Shakiri, as much as it pains me to say, most exp- uh, highest paid player until Insigne got here in MLS. It's not been good enough. Jairo Torres does not look like a good fit so far. It's super early. They spent a lot to get Chris Mueller. They spent a lot to get Casper Shabilko. Look at the fullbacks. They're not good. <laughs> like, there's just so much that's wrong with this team. And again, like you can you can make excuses or add context to every single one of those deals, but take a step back in the Mac review. Yeah, I mean, look, that it'd be tough to go in a performance review if if you're the sporting director and say something that, you know, try to say why you're the right man for the third rebuild. I don't know. And it seems like they're barreled towards another rebuild. And it's unfortunate. We'll see what Joe Mansueto and that club does moving forward. But like I, I wrote a story with Doyle about, you know, forecasting this, the secondary transfer window here for clubs. And we were talking about Chicago. They've played all their chips. Like they have a U22 initiative slot left. That's it. I can't imagine they have much allocation money after spending a million of it on Shabilko and spending um, however much it costs for Chris Mueller and, and everything else that's buying down other contracts. Like Chihus, they have to use allocation money to buy his deal down and, and insert however many other players. I don't know. I don't know. It's just vibe, vibes are low in Chicago. All right, I've rambled too much. Three more here. Three more lighthearted ones will get us out of here. Um, first from Jose Cacho at LAFC Josh. Why did Emily, um, every MLS club make the mistake of not signing the GOAT, James Milner? I love James Milner. I, I, I was, I, when a report came out that a couple of MLS clubs tried to tried to make offers before he re-signed with Liverpool. I'm not kidding. I started texting sources being like, please tell me that you were the team that tried to sign James Milner. Please be my hero. I got a couple laughs, a couple, you're an idiot, par for the course. Uh, so... I'm with you, Josh. I, I was asking people. I was I was dying for that to happen. I love James Miller. I think he can play until he's 47 if he wants to. He can play at Liverpool until he's 47 if he wants to. I love that, man. I think he's fantastic. But my good friend, Ari Lillianwall, who if you guys listen to this podcast, you remember this person does not know how to use Do Not Disturb on his phone. And it sounded like when he was talking, he was you know on a tarmac. So Ari, nice of you to stop by. Ari asks, why did you personally snub all of our favorite players from the MLS All-Star game? That's a fair question. I don't have a good answer, Ari. Um, so I would just point to the fact of, if you guys ever want to know a Seattle Sounders starting lineup, tweet at Ari Lillianwall. Just do it. Just tweet him. Just tweet him. I think that he loves these questions. I think that Ari enjoys it. He enjoys he enjoys being asked what the lineup is three days ahead of time. He enjoys being asked an hour and ten minutes before the game. I think I think it's very useful. Thank you, Ari. Lastly, uh, subject close to my heart from at Woody Wilder. How has Sir Minty impacted your life the most? Sir Minty, the the fantastic mascot for Charlotte FC. Um, Twitter search him if somehow you don't know. I found out that I I showed Andrew Weeby who Sir Minty was. We I, we were on the watch along, and it's like uh, Charlie Davies and Sasha Kleshen were you know they're telling good stories, they're having good talks. 
And then I'm, I stopped the show because Weeby was like, what, who's Sir Minty? What do you mean? And I'm screaming at producers, get, get Sir Minty content on the screen now. And Weeby's a, Weeby's a believer. Sir Minty's, Sir Minty's impacted my life because I think, I think he's got my back. I've, I've bowed to the throne of Sir Minty. And I think that, I think that he's, he's saved me. And I think the, the fans give me, give me benefit of the doubt now at Charlotte because Sir Minty says so. So that's, that's how Sir Minty has impacted my life. All right. On that, I think I'm going to, I think we'll cut it here. Um, let's, I'm going to give myself a five out of 10 and six out of 10, maybe Yeah, five out of 10, not a great performance here. Hopefully next time I come back, we'll have a guest. Um, I just figured out how to use a different podcast, free podcast platform. Again, it's 2022. I think 13 year olds know how to do this better than I do. So look, we're, uh, you're all along for the ride and you can say that you got in when it was at the ground floor and then you got upgraded from, you know, the ground floor to, you know, the secondary basement, <laughs> just moving on up here. All right, guys, enjoy the MLS. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.